In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. So John's Gospel lesson today is a puzzling one. When you try to enter into the story or read it through the lens of our present world, this particular series of Jesus' teachings and statements may leave you wondering who the characters are. The context of this reading is Jesus is interpreting the healing of the man who was born blind, where Jesus spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Salome, which means scent. Then he went and washed and he came back able to see. You probably remember that gospel lesson from several weeks ago. The Pharisees and the disciples were questioning Jesus about who sinned, this man or his parents, because he was born blind. The authorities question the man, the parents, they go back to the man for a second time. Jesus was ultimately in conversation with the Pharisees about whether they are blind. And then he began, then begins our passage. Jesus presents to them and to us a figure of speech, this particular figure of speech. Figure of speech is about a gate, a shepherd, a sheep, a sheepfold, a sheep and a gatekeeper. Jesus is offering this as a way of their seeing a little more clearly. Sometimes in Jesus' teaching, we can get caught up trying to figure out who all of the players are and what the meaning might be. And some scholars would say that the very last sentence of our passage today is the essence of the story. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In the passage immediately following today's lesson, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we're sandwiched between Jesus' healing of this blind man and his own acclamation, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says there are many false shepherds whose interests are self-centered and not necessarily focused on the good of the flock. They're thieves and bandits. When the going gets tough, the false shepherds abandon the sheep. When Jesus speaks of himself as the gate, it's reminding those around him and us, these many years later, that the shepherd provides safety in the night and nourishment in the morning when they return to the fields. Sheep know the voice of the shepherd and the shepherd knows them each by name. When we were in Iona this summer, there were sheep all around on the hillside, grazing all around. One afternoon, we had gone on a long hike to, to the ocean, and we were returning along the road back to our hotel. The farmer saw our group, and he encouraged us to speed up our walking because he was about to open the gate for his sheep to come across that same road we were walking on. And as soon as it was, it was time for them to to go inside for shelter for the evening. As soon as he opened the gate, the flock rushed through the opening and ran through the gate. The, the sheep instinctively knew their time. It was their time to head in for protection through the night with food waiting and with protection offered by their shepherd 
this farmer. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. The sheep know the shepherd's voice and the shepherd knows them each by name. We just heard Psalm 23 chanted beautifully this morning. The Psalm so many, familiar to so many of us and many of us learned that in childhood. It's, the, it's often used at funerals and I can often watch people's faces and they're reciting it even though it's being read by a, an individual reader. It brings the play, into play the imagery of the shepherd. And we as Christians want to impose Jesus as the shepherd into that psalm versus David's shepherd in the Hebrew scriptures. We're always invited to use our reasoning and to make sense of what we hear and what we see. We do that together in community and small communities like the gospel dive that was going on during Lent or the spirited sisters or the racial healing group or in our gathered community as we worship together. The notion of beloved community comes to mind for me and I'm touched by that notion. There's, there's a general convention committee that several years ago created a, um, a report called Becoming Beloved Community. It was created because of the Episcopal Church's long-standing commitment to racial healing, reconciliation, justice, and restoration. On the front of the paper is the image of a labyrinth with the words around four quadrants, one telling the truth, the second proclaiming the dream, the third practicing the way, and the fourth repairing the breach. The paper weaves into our baptismal covenant the ways of becoming a beloved community through a lens that honors all people. I've heard a number of people speak on what it means to become a beloved community. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry speaks passionately about it in his writing and in his words, his spoken words. In a conference several years ago, I heard a priest describe beloved community in the image of a puzzle, and it's always sort of stuck in my mind. She shared a story about how beloved community had been opened up for her. She'd been at a leadership conference and participated in an exercise where all the participants were given a piece of a puzzle, but they were told to turn the puzzle over so they didn't put it back together with looking at a picture. It was a smart group of people and they used all of their pieces and quickly realized that, that some of the pieces were missing. They eventually discovered that the observer who was sitting on the side of the room had one of the missing pieces. The leader of the conference had another of the missing pieces. It, it showed them that each person has worth no matter where they are on the margins. The border pieces count just as much as the central pieces. All people in the beloved community are needed no matter where they sit or stand or who they are. Jesus was with a very early beloved community. He taught them in what seems like confusing ways. It's as if he offered pieces to the grand puzzle of life. The early disciples often didn't get the meaning and we often don't get the full meaning ourselves. We're invited to use our minds and our hearts as we open ourselves up. 
For me, the beloved community is one that learns together and struggles together, rejoices together, weeps together. We're on the journey together trying to get it, trying to pay attention to who's in and who's not. The shepherd indeed guides us these many years later and reminds us over and over of Jesus' words. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You can take that life, you take that life in abundance and live as beloved community in this place of St. Matt's and are invited to see the work, see that work out not only in here but outside the walls of this place. We are each puzzle pieces of the beloved community as are all the people we encounter and welcome. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's good news, my friends, and we're all invited to take that good news outside of this place. Annie Dillard is a beloved and prolific American writer and novelist. You may have read one or more of her books. There was one that she wrote a long time ago called The Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, for which she won the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction in 1975. She was only 29 years old at that point. She writes about creativity this way, and this is what she says. One of the few things I know about writing is this. Spend it all, shoot it, play it, lose it all right away, every time. Do not hoard what seems good for a later place in the book or for another book. Give it, give it all, give it now. The impulse to save something good for a better place later is the signal to spend it now. Something more will arise for later, something better. These things fill from behind, from beneath, like well water. Similarly, the impulse to keep yourself what you have learned, keep to yourself what you've learned, is not only shameful, it's destructive. Anything you do not give freely and abundantly becomes lost to you. You open your safe and find ashes. What an interesting thought. You open your safe and find ashes. We're gospel people and we're called to share the good news. We have this good shepherd who knows each of our names and whose voice we know is present for us and in and through all things, even though we don't always recognize it. One who loves and accepts us all. There are those times when we might not hear Jesus's voice directly, and yet we're learning how to be beloved community with the help of each other. Together we learn how to love and how to be loved, and how to trust Jesus as the Good Shepherd. We're called to spread that good news and take it with us out into our world, knowing that Jesus came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. So I invite you and charge you as you leave this place to find a way today or the, sometime in the next week to share the good news of this good and generous shepherd. Amen.